Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Good morning and welcome to the fifth day of my 12 Saints 12 Days uh, blog series running from All Saints to Veterans Day where I profile another saint uh, from scripture. Uh, the first several days of seeing, um, beginning with All Saints, I talk about the Militia Day and all saints being soldiers of Christ and followed that up with a post on Jesus and uh, a little bit that goes unmentioned about who he is, namely that as the son of a warrior, according to Exodus 15.3, he's a military brat. According to Joshua 19, the allocation of the tribes, um, he also, uh, his family at least, and he eventually as well, preferred to live in the military district, uh, literally the district, Galil Hagoyim. Uh, the district of the non-Jews, as it was called, because um, Zebulon and Naphtali, the soldier uh, tribes of Israel, that was their land, uh, the land surrounding just west of the Galilee. Um, Jesus does go elsewhere. He goes down to Jerusalem all the time. The east side of Galilee and the Decapolis, um, of course, back and forth uh, between Jerusalem and Galilee. But when you hear the Galilee... Uh, that's literally the name that was given to the lands of Zebulon and Naphtali by Isaiah 1. And the, that's where we get Galilee from. Galil, the district, Hagoyim of non-Jews. They, they, Israel was embarrassed that their soldiers were the first to be carried off into exile. And northern Israel then becomes that land of darkness where um, people have uh, been dwelling in darkness and Etc. Anyway, um, then we move forward into the New Testament with Luke 3 and the soldiers, the rakes, the lovable scoundrels of Luke 3.14 and 7.29. Um, and then uh, yesterday we talked about Captain Marvel, who made Jesus Thaumatso uh, and who was a Galilean officer in Herod Antipas's New Mary, a local militia force. Um, and today we're talking about someone, and all of these uh, up until now um, have been included in my upcoming book, God is a Grunt and More Good News from GIs, for GIs, coming from uh, Hachette in April of 2022. Um, but Longinus, or Longinus, or frankly Loginos, um, is not in Grunt God. And I I didn't actually think about it at the time. By the time, <laughs> I didn't consciously omit him. Uh, I consciously looked for soldiers who we know are in the Bible and who we don't talk about much for, in particular, the fifth chapter of the book, where I talk about the earliest Christian attitudes to war, um, and that being in the New Testament, not necessarily as some historians and classicists would have you believe in the second century, uh, as though you know it just started happening right before Constantine or something. No, there have been soldiers who have been um, part and parcel to the body of Christ since the very, very beginning. And Longinus, or I'm just going to call him Loginus, because uh, that is how you would pronounce the word from which we derive his name, the Logcha or Logcha. 
no, I'm probably saying that wrong. But the 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 logica uh, is a Greek word that was Latinized into longsh, uh, but it was the equivalent of a pila or pilum, singular pilum or pila is more than one, and that is literally the javelin. And javelins were weapons of war. Uh, javelins were issued to legionari, um, you know, the the elite soldiers uh, who saw, you know, what we would think of as conventional combat most frequently. Um, auxilia and numeri, the two other kinds of military forces, were, you know, kind of like reservists, but not really. They did much more local administrative work, um, judging between cases, um, you know, supporting the local populace or the ruler. And like in Herod Antipas's um, case, he had his own force, Numeri, which didn't belong to Rome, but could be called on by Rome. And the Auxilia is a step above the Numeri, but below the Legionari. Um, and they were recruited by Rome, were promised citizenship, etc. But they they weren't really Roman. They weren't citizens. Um, and they were really, you know, accustomed to their own culture, but were aspiring to Roman imperial, um, you know, norms. Um, and that's why citizenship was their draw. And so Loginus is one of these soldiers, these auxilia soldiers assigned to Fort Antonia uh, overlooking the Temple Mount, Joshua's Temple. And in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, this individual is a centurion. In fact, they all say the centurion, meaning, very likely, the highest ranking of six centurions in the cohort that was assigned to Fort Antonia. Um, in other words, this person, Loginus, at any given time would have been the highest ranking Roman person in all of Jerusalem. Pilate and his auxilia or, leg- or you know, kind of small unit uh, legionaries they were out in Caesarea Maritima, the capital, the Roman capital of the Judean province. And so this uh, centurion uh, would have been the Pilus prior, you know, in charge of 600 individuals or six centuries at Fort Antonia or Antonia. And this centurion, the synoptics, is the one who says, truly this man is God's son. And in the the Greek, it's, you know, uh, alethos is the word for truly. Um, and the, the um, theos hoios means, could mean a God's son. Uh, it could be that this centurion looks up and he says, wow, a lot, of this sh- a lot of shit's going on. The sky is darkened. I felt an earthquake. People are running out of their graves. Surely this was the son of a God, the child of a God. Because who else could have that kind of power? Um, Christians have typically rendered the phrase, truly this man was God's big G son, as in Elohim, Yahweh, El, El Elyon, like the God, right? But it may not be. Um, So that was the synoptic Loginus. In John is where we get the name with the the pilus or the javelin or the lok. Uh, long, I used to say Longsh, but there's no N. I don't know why we call him Longinus. His name and the, the word is Log, Loginus. Anyway, in John, 
um, he has a spear. And the Jews are getting a little nervous because it's almost sundown and the Sabbath is about to start. And once the sun is down, no Jews can touch a dead corpse or bring him down from the gallows or anything else. And so they ask Pilate directly. And John makes this very clear. They go to Pilate to ask that their legs be broken so that they can die faster. They'll asphyxiate because they can't support their own weight. Um, and their lungs are filling with blood and and um, and other you know, bodily fluids. Anyway, and so uh, Loginus is the person who takes this javelin, which historically is suspicious because they don't, you know, Antonia soldiers don't go to war. There's no real need for javelins. They usually threw them. Uh, the other, um, the other weapon that they would have is a longer spear that might be used, one could think, in um, crowd control, but they didn't usually. The auxilia troops usually just had a gladius, you know, a short sword. And so that he has a weapon of war is a choice, I think, by John to depict the crucifixion in terms of this cosmic battle between God and Satan, order and chaos, you know, what have you. But he wouldn't have had a javelin. But anyway, he does. And this is where we get his name. And um, if you combine the two, the centurion, the Pilus prior, who says, truly, this is a son of God, um, with the soldier, who may have been the centurion, because the order comes from Pilate, right? If, you know, if it had been any other time than Passover, um, Loginus, or the Pilus prior, whatever his actual name is, would have been in charge of determining Jesus' fate. But it was Passover, and the Jews had a deserved reputation for revolt. And so at high holidays, like Passover and Yom Kippur, um, Pilate would be sure to be in Jerusalem because he would need to be on hand in case a call needed to be made to you know, put down a revolt or whatever. And so John and the synoptics both make clear that the responsibility for all of this rests with Pilate, the the face of Roman might, right? It's not the auxilia, the low status, um, you know, former slave or, or criminal um, who's just overseeing these wannabe citizens in the auxilia. It is Pilate, uh, Pilate himself, Pontius Pilate, who is the representative of Rome for all the Judean province. And so it's we can't really blame the soldiers for doing what they were told within what they understood to be, um, you know, a, a legitimate, I don't know, custom. Um, you know, the even casting lots for his clothes probably was not necessarily exploitative because I imagine that Rome probably claimed all the property of convicted criminals. And it was up to the local soldiers to divvy up who got what. Um, you know, Pilate and Rome, they wouldn't care who gets his clothes. They wouldn't care about any of that. So that may have just been a pragmatic thing. What we can blame them for is mocking condemned criminals of, you know, seeking validation and being better than someone else who's on their way to the gallows, to the cross. Um, but uh, the, the I, I call Loginus... Um, you know, I say his faith is legendary because we don't really know that this is one person. 
Um, we can, you know, infer that there were people who did these things at the foot of the cross, but it's, you know, oral tradition that preserves the these two people as one. So we don't, that's part of the reason I didn't include him. Um, I could have, you know, separated them, um, but it wouldn't have been Loginus. It wouldn't have involved a spear. Um, and the other thing that I think is interesting for Loginus and this this confession he makes at the foot of the cross, some people think, as I said, it was kind of like ironic, like you know, either you know, an eye roll, uh, ironic kind of put down, like yeah, this guy was a, the son of a god because he's dying on the cross. Um, I don't read it that same way. Um, and the early church didn't either. That's why they made this person a saint. Saint Loginus is one of the four um, statues right outside or you know surrounding Saint Peter's um, altar at the Vatican. Um, but this this phrase, truly this man was uh, a son of God. It begins with this word alathos. And it's basically, you know, it's affirming something's true. You know, verily I tell you, truly the blah, 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 certainly, you know, in Luke, on toss. Um, but he's saying, no shit. I'm not, I'm not lying. No cap. This guy was God's son. And that's exactly how grunts, you know, try. That's how we begin a story when we either want to, um, you know, reiterate that something unbelievable really is true. Or when we discover something is true that we didn't think could be, like no shit, I can fi- I can run a five minute mile, right? Um, and it's also the way we start legendary tales that are on the border of believable and unbelievable. No shit, there I was. The oral tradition begins with Loginus's statement at the foot of the cross, and again, oral tradition, early um, belief was that um, he you know, got out of the military, became a bishop or a monk, and then was martyred. And in the meantime, I can almost, I can hear him saying to younger grunts, to younger uh, catechists, and, you know, new converts to the faith, no shit, there I was, the foot of the cross, um, following orders to make sure this guy died as quickly as possible, and some of his blood hits me in the eye, and by God, I haven't seen more clearly since. Because one of the earliest legends about Loginus is that he had bad eyesight and that Jesus' blood, when he spears him in the side, some of it hits him in the face and cures not blindness, but certainly poor eyesight. Um, And so his faith is legendary. It's hard to pin down. It's hard to verify. But it's also legendary in that same sense of, you know, sitting around the campfire sharing stories, um, sitting around the MRE um, or the, you know, the Humvee, you know, huddled around the, the engine block because it's cold as shit out, and you're sharing stories. No shit, there I was. No shit, there I was at the foot of the cross, and I did this thing, and it changed my life. And it's easier, or it's, it makes so much more sense for me to think of it in those terms in, through a martial hermeneutic because it just kind of comes alive. No shit. This guy really was a son of God. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. 
If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.